This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Wow, haven't heard that song for a while. Hey, it's opening night in the NBA. We'll talk Knicks next and win Benyama plus a little football. Let's go to work. Got time to hear from you at 1-800-919-3776. Also via X, formerly Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM, along with Harvey and Joe, who are along, along for the ride. We're here until midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon Damer. Larry Hardesty, long time no talk, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. Long, long time. Seems like I haven't spoken to you since, you know... There, there was there was there was the opening round of the baseball playoffs. <laughs> it has been a little while. Well, you went on vacation. You were under yes. the weather for a little bit, so yes. uh, the resting up was good. You sound good. So thank you, sir. Ready to roll for Nick's opening night. Who's excited? Oh, baby, I am, and that's a perfect boy. Bing so you, you are you are the mayor of transition <laughs> transition city, North Dakota. Let's go. Here are top stories that we're going to talk about tonight on ESPN New York tonight. We begin with the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Man, it was Jason Tatum with thirty four, but doggone it, Gordon Damer, Christoph Porzingis came back to bite the Knicks again with thirty. Boston defeated the Knicks one hundred eight one hundred four in their season slash home opener at the Garden. Yeah, de- definitely a bit of a downer for opening night. There were stretches in that fourth quarter where the Knicks were down for a good portion of the game. They got a lead, looked like, hey, they're starting to overcame some some shaky shooting performances, but uh, unable to close it out, unable to seal the deal. So the season opens with a thud. Well, I'll say this, Gordon. Uh, considering who they played, it kind of went the way I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they got to that fourth quarter, I thought they might be able to steal one. But here's something that happened again this season. It's early. Hopefully, they'll get out of it. You got to hit your free throws, Gordon. I mean, come on. You got to hit your free throws. Sometimes it's not that deep, right? And we'll take <laughs> phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN. And I'm sure people will have lots to say about Julius Randle. I'm sure they'll have lots to say about uh, this thing or that thing. But when you're taking on one of, if not the best team in the Eastern Conference, you got to do better than, what is it, 53% of your free throws. That's right. Got to do better. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, Nets played well. They had a chance. Controversial uh, basket by Donovan Mitchell. Some people thought he was fouled. Joe Leo, one of those people. But it's his three with 12.1 seconds left to give Cleveland the 114-113 win over Brooklyn. Cam Thomas, Gordon, off the bench, 36 for the Nets in a losing effort. Yeah, disappointing because uh, it did seem like they had uh, a bit of a, a, a run there and it looked like they were going to be able to pull that one out. But, uh, you know, the Nets don't have as high of expectations as the Knicks do. So, you know, going on the road and playing the Cavaliers, a team that was a playoff team a, a year ago, uh, maybe it's not as disappointing, but um, still disappointing finish. Losing by one, anytime you lose by one, that's going to be frustrating. No question about it. All eyes on San Antonio. That's where Victor Wembanyama makes his NBA debut. First basket was a three. As a matter of fact, he's got a couple of those, a couple of block shots. Gordon, he looks impressive. He's very tall. He looks really tall. I, I, I can't wait to watch him during the season as he grows. Plays, you know, against the Mitchell Robinsons, the Anthony Davises, the Rudy Gobert's, the other bigger centers. I want to see how he matches up with them. But he's got a good handle. He can hit the three. He's going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, he's definitely skilled. You can tell that right away. He's not just some big guy who's uh, a stiff, basically. No, he, he's a skilled player. You can see that right away. And you just kind of question that that build. Now, he's yeah. he's bigger. He's thicker 
than the guy on the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, the kid that was drafted. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't overall. think of it either. Yeah, I know you're um, talking about. So he, he's really thin. Um, Wemboyama has a little bit more thickness to him. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. He's definitely a skilled player. And sure enough, the Spurs win the lottery the year that Wemboyama is available. Of course they do. Well, of course they did. That's what they did when they got Tim Duncan Holmgren. when he was available. Oh, oh, I couldn't think. Chet Holmgren it was the guy. Yeah, name I was exactly. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Jets and Giants prepare for a big game for both teams this Sunday. For the Jets, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Brandon Eccles were four participants in practice. For the Giants, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Adoree Jackson were among a number of players who were limited participants. Looks like the Giants could also get a couple of offensive linemen back. Rich Amini will join us in a couple of minutes, and he'll give us a preview of this game on Sunday. Big game. Huge. Big game for both teams, Larry. We yes, always talk is. about there's no rivalry between the Jets and the Giants. There's not. But this is a critical game for both teams. No question about it. Turning to baseball, it looks like the Mets will have an opportunity to speak with Craig Council about the open managerial position going earlier than the 31st because that's when his contract officially ends with Milwaukee. I guess uh, uh, he's giving them a little break. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely seems like things are lined up for him to be the manager. Yeah, I think so. I Maybe not 100%, but it's certainly yeah. like the, the, the speedometer. It's, it's getting closer to 100 by each passing day. It just feels like this is the direction they're going to go. It's his job to lose, Gordon. He's yes, the leader in the clubhouse. Absolutely. Perfect way to it's put it. It's his job to lose. Yeah. Yankees looking for a new hitting coach. Sean, Ca- Sean Casey says bye-bye, or did the Yankees say bye-bye? Gordon, who said bye-bye first? Uh, well, look, if they're not going to add t- pieces to this lineup, Sean Casey was getting out <laughs> while the getting was good. <laughs> We have to watch Giancarlo Stanton swinging a shed door trying to hit a beach ball. I mean, he got out while the getting was good. Yeah, no question. Uh, after Houston's Game 7 loss, Gordon, I think I heard you yelling and screaming from oh, your basement. It was good times, baby. <laughs> uh, Dusty Baker retired. He was the only salvageable piece about those Houston Adams. I hate every piece of that Astros organization, but Dusty made it hard to hate him because he's such a yeah. good guy. And he'd been around the game for so long and had never won a World Series. So it was good for him. Uh, but, um, well, look, I mean, the guy's done everything he could possibly do in the sport of baseball. So yeah. he gets to call his own shot. A lot of managers uh, don't get that chance. I'm sure Dusty has had chances at times yeah. where he didn't get to call that chance. So Absolutely. Uh, good for him to, 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 to make the call rather than the team making the call to him. Yeah, no question about it. And listen, <laughs> Nobody. I don't know how many people would have really taken that job, Gordon, after the situation they were in with all the controversy mm-hmm. around them and the stealing. He mm-hmm. was able to do that, keep them rolling, and get them to a World Series championship. So kudos to Dusty Baker. Speaking of the World Series, Game 1 begins on Friday. Arizona, Texas? <laughs> Whoo, ratings bonanza, huh? <laughs> wow. Boy, if you had that, you probably made a million dollars on yeah, promo you, code you, you Gordon at the beginning it, right? of the season. Yeah, I mean, even during the regular season, you could have placed that bet, and you probably would have done quite well. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about that. I tell you, uh, it's the it's the World Series that both local fans of both local teams are happy. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> Phillies just absolutely choked it away. Yes, they did. Yes, the they Astros. Did. Anytime the Astros are out, it's a good day. So, win win. I mean, uh, for a Met fan, it's great. Early exit by Atlanta. Oh, you know, Phillies out in, in choking fashion. Oh, oh, choke like dogs right down the stretch. <laughs> Two games in their own building. And this thing about Bryce Harper and we take a punch and all this type of stuff. Uh-huh. And you lose the to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, almost almost cost one of our colleagues his job. Talk about retirement. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, look, it'll certainly put those Philadelphia fans in a bad mood, as if they needed oh, yeah. anything to put them in a bad mood. That's they're getting a little sure. too. They're getting a little too big for their britches. All of a sudden, no they question. got a dose of reality. Um, <laughs> boy, that's ice cold water thrown in your face. Oh, oh to have them se- and both teams celebrating on the road. That's oh, oh. Winning game I saw, seven. I saw the Diamondbacks oh. like planted a flag in the outfield. Oh, the Philly fans—they're gonna love that. Oh. There's gonna be, there's gonna be some, there's gonna be. Mark this next season. There's gonna be some high heat mm. <laughs> in those games when they, when Philly and Arizona meet. They'll remember that, no question about it. Those are a couple of the stories we'll be talking about tonight on this edition of ESPN New York tonight. When we return, Rich Samini will join us. We'll talk Jets Giants next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight. Hardesty and Damer till midnight. But it's all about this Sunday. It's the battle for New York. With the Jets taking on the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Now, before the game, you can catch ESPN New York's fantasy forecast and game day shows live from the lounge at Meadowlands Racetrack beginning at 7 a.m. Start your tailgate early with Anita Marks, Amani Tuma, and Mike Tannenbaum at the Meadowlands Racetrack, America's number one sports book. Brought to you by Wendy's. When you want the best hamburger, squares the beef. Hardy Steve Damer, welcoming in, since we're talking about the Jets and Giants. Our guy who's done a tremendous job covering the Jets. Also, you may remember you can check out the flight deck on the ESPN New York app. He is Rich Samini. Rich, hardly Steve Damer. How are you, my friend? Well, thank you for the great introduction, Larry. I'm doing well, guys. Thanks. Good to be with you for it's big game week in New York. Yeah, how about Rich, when's the last time the Jet and Giant game had um this type of meaning, this type of you know, enthusiasm because really both teams need this game. Yeah, well, I mean, they haven't played a lot, obviously, only 14 times previously. Uh, I guess 2011, you know, that Christmas Eve game, the famous Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown was uh, a turning point for both franchises. Uh, The Jets really went in the tank after that, and one could argue they, they haven't recovered in some ways <laughs> since that day. And the, the Giants went on to win a Super Bowl that year. So one of the pivotal plays in franchise history for both teams. Rich, I know there's been a refound excitement with the Jets after especially the win against the Eagles and, and then followed up by the bye week. How much of a dent would a loss on Sunday to the Giants put in like the, the hype train for, for the Jets? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think the narrative changed uh, 10 days ago when they beat uh, Philadelphia. I think it was the signature win of the Robert Sala era, and you, I think it changed the way people are looking at the Jets, you know, and now all of a sudden they went from the uh, sort of the struggling team with the backup quarterback that couldn't beat anybody all of a sudden they just toppled the defending NFC champs and now we should take them seriously kind of team and uh yeah it would uh it would hurt the Jets for sure I think we'll probably put a nail in the Giants coffin I mean I think the Giants still have some flickering hopes to get back in this thing going to be very difficult obviously but for the Jets at three and three this is a time now where they should 
be refreshed coming off the bye week. They're going to be healthier coming off the bye week and really would be a very difficult loss if it happened. Rich, I find this a fascinating matchup. I mean, you when you watch what the Giants' defense did, and they've played well the past couple of weeks, did a fabulous job against Buffalo, uh, really confused Sam Howell last week. And we know that Wake Martindale loves to blitz, and we saw what he was able to do against Sam Howell and that offensive line for Washington. I mean, you could argue, Rich, that if he did something similar, while, listen, Zach Wilson has improved, he's made some strides, that issue with the blitz and, and you know, the offensive line and the shuffling there, that could cause some problems for, for this, jet, uh, just this jet offense, which is still sputtering a little bit. Uh, not a little bit, Larry, a lot. The Jets are, <laughs> I mean, they're, I think, 32nd and third down percentage or 31st in red zone. Uh, they are still trying to find their way on offense for sure. I think uh, some of the points they've scored this year, we're on short fields thanks to takeaways by the defense. And uh, you're right about the Giants. They love the blitz. They have a number two blitz rate in the NFL coming into this week. Um, the Jets, and they play a lot of man, you know, a lot of man coverage. And no quarterback in the NFL has seen more man coverage this year than Zach Wilson. And he's actually done okay against it. I think he's 17th in passer rating against man coverage. Whereas against zone, he's 32nd in the league. So you would say, well, this is probably a favorable matchup for the Jets, you know, facing this much man coverage. But I think the Giants and their pressure schemes will cause problems for the Jets. You know, their offensive line has has gone through changes and and, and growing pains. They're not as bad as the Giants' offensive line, but they've had their own issues. And Wilson, I think, will have some trouble diagnosing some of this stuff pre-snap. So it's going to be a, a big, big challenge for the Jets to handle that defense. Rich, if there's concerns about the Jet offense against the Giant defense, uh, what about on the other side? What are the conversations about the Jet defense taking on that Giant offensive line, which has been, I mean, it's been a disaster all year? Yeah, I think the Jets feel pretty confident that they can control the line of scrimmage with their defensive front. Now, the Jets' defensive front is having a very interesting year. They're among the leaders in pressure percentage, but their sack numbers are down. So I know just from talking to John Franklin Myers today, um, he's not happy with that. He wants to raise the sack numbers and get the quarterback on the ground. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor, who, who I think the Jets expect to start, uh, you know, he's a, he's a good game manager, and he's not going to – do anything dazzling, but he'll get the ball to the right places. And uh, But I do believe the Jets are really confident that they can control it at the point of attack. And also, I, I think they're going to get back Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed this week, and, and Brandon Eccles for that matter. So their secondary will be in much better shape than it was in the last game. All right, since we're talking about offensive lines, let's go back to the Jet offensive line. Dwayne Brown is eligible to come off the uh, pup list uh, Rich, does he return? What happens? Does he come back? Does does he go to left tackle? Do they shift uh, Makai Becton to right tackle? What happens here, do you think? Uh, that's not going to happen this week. I think they'll, they're not opening that practice window this week with Dwayne Brown. I think, okay. I think there's a good chance they will open it next week, which gives them uh, three weeks to make a decision on Dwayne Brown. So, um, yeah, you might not. And then there's no guarantee he even goes to the starting lineup. I, I think the Jets are happy with the way Mekhi Becton has been playing left tackle. Mm-hmm. He's He's been healthy. You know, he's started every game. I think he's getting better every game. 
settling into that position. And I think it would be coaching malpractice to move him out of there. Uh, as long as he's healthy, I, I would let it ride with Makai Becton. I think the Jets know that, and you know, it could be an awkward situation. They, the coaching staff has so much respect for Dwayne Brown and everything he's done in this league uh, that it might be hard to tell him to say, well, sorry, Dwayne, we're going to have to keep you on the bench. So I think this injury, I think they're going to milk it for as long as they can and then have to gently tell Dwayne Brown that you're going to be a backup. Rich, I know it's not a huge sample size, but uh, Jets 0-2 coming off the bye with Robert Sala as the head coach. What, if anything, do they plan to do differently this year than they did in the in the, in the last couple of years to kind of avoid a, a letdown coming out of the bye? Yeah, it's not a big sample size with Sala, but you know, I believe it's seven straight years the Jets have lost coming out of the bye. It's one of the longest uh, streaks in the league. And so it's, it's, it was an Adam Gase problem. It was a Todd Bowles problem. <laughs> so it went back, uh, predates uh, Robert Sala. But I think they changed their schedule this week. Sala's talked about trying to change things up a little bit. They did a lot of this, you know, sports science, you know, studies in the off season. And I, I know they changed their schedule, just subtle adjustments like doing their weightlifting in the morning instead of later in the day. Um, I know the media period got moved to later in the day, uh, late afternoon instead of you know earlier in the afternoon. So they really moved their entire schedule around. Just th- the goal is to keep the players mentally fresh. I think they felt that the players just got mentally burned out last year, uh, which contributed to such a uh, poor finish. Uh, Rich, uh, in terms of the, I guess it helps that coming out of the bye this year that they don't have the Patriots. I know the last two years they had the Patriots. That, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's certainly that's one thing that'll, that'll right, help. That's, that's certainly a good one. Uh, last one for me. Uh, how active do you think they'll be before the trade deadline? I know Joe Douglas likes to be active. Uh, do you see them making any other other moves outside of the Hardman trade? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Uh, I, I think it might be more uh, selling off. I, mean, I think they're buyers you know, per se, um, but uh, they could be sellers too. And I think uh, Carl Lawson is a player I would keep an eye on. Uh, clearly has uh, fallen down the depth chart and doesn't have really a role anymore. He only plays a little bit. And uh, I think they would uh, trade him. I mean, I think they're totally open to listening to offers for Carl Lawson and would be willing to trade him off. I think Seattle might have been a destination. They were looking for an edge player, but then they signed Frank Clark today. So I think you could probably cross Seattle off the list. Uh, I know Dalvin Cook's been mentioned as a possibility. Um, I, I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, I, I'd be a little surprised just because they signed him so recently. But uh, And they're looking. They're looking for depth at wide receiver and offensive line. Uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be a splashy-type trade. I know names like Jerry Judy are getting mentioned and Cortland Sutton. I just don't think the Jets are going to go in that direction, but they could possibly find a you know a backup lineman or a uh, or a backup receiver. You know, Rich, last one for me, and once again, thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Obviously, we've talked about you mentioned earlier about the sacks with the Jets are down, and you know the defense has played well. You can't discriminate against it, but one concern is, Rich, they don't get they don't start the games well. I mean, they, they have trouble getting off the no. field on third down early, and they give up scores, and they've still been a little susceptible against the run. What are the defenders talking about to try to turn that around? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a, it's an issue. Uh, 
this disparity is amazing. They've given up oh, they've given up nine touchdowns in the first half of games, and only one touchdown in the second half of games. So, um, glass half full, glass half empty, I guess. <laughs> you know, good halftime adjustments, I guess you would say. Uh, that would be like the silver lining there, but uh, clearly they have to start off better. I think teams catch them on their heels early in games. Uh, you know, teams adjust really well. I know Jeff Ulbrich, their defensive coordinator, has said, you know, a couple of times that maybe he just needs to simplify the game plans early in the game and instead of trying to get too cute, maybe just stick to the basics early on. But teams do a really good job of game planning the Jets and, and come out and they kind of catch him with some things that the Jets are not ready for. And the Jets, to their credit, they adjust to it. It just takes them a little while. And, but you can't, live, you can't live that way. I don't think it's sustainable. you got to get off the good starts. And that goes with the offense, too, because the mm-hmm. offense gets off the bad starts. In the Robert Sala era, the Jets' first quarter point differential is the worst in the league. I mean, I think they're a minus 110 uh, over the last not, not quite two and a half years. So you, you can't live in that world and, and expect to be a playoff team. You you got to play with some leads. I mean, that's the whole point of, you know, the defense. Their defense is built to play with leads, you know, so they can rush the passer. That's that the whole thing is predicated on that, and they can never do that because they're always playing from behind. Yeah, well, they can't keep that up. You're right about that. Rich, enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll talk soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Thanks. Rich. All right, that's Rich Samini.